Welcome back to All About America's Team, brought to you by Delahanty Media. And it's Turkey Week. Cowboys have the Giants on Thursday. Before we get into that, we're going to talk some Cowboys-Vikings. But just in, in case you do not know who we are, I'm Ray Nickens, joined with, as always, Owen DeChico. And with that, Owen, any fun news you have for us today? Um, well, Dallas is battling an injury bug. Um, Michael Parsons is obviously not 100%, as we all know. And then Zeke has his knee issue, Diggs has his ankle issue, and then there is the Odell Beckham Jr. saga. Um, it is reported that he is choosing between Dallas and New York Giants as the team that he will play for the next few years. He mentioned before that he wants to settle down and play and have some and play with the same team for a while. So um, with Dallas and New York playing on on Thursday, many have assumed that this game will dictate where he goes. And he tweeted after the Dallas game, them boys went crazy. And there were several players who quote tweeted it and telling him to come. And um, Dak Prescott mentioned today that he has talked to um, Odell and he thinks that there's mutual in- there's mutual interest for Odell to come to Dallas. So that's exciting. Um, we will see what happens there. Um, and I think that the addition of Odell would be great because you have to win in different ways and you can't expect to be able to run through every team. And if you're able to put three good wide receivers out there on every play, I think that it, it's really going to help make this offense more dynamic. Especially when you have those, when if you if you do re- decide to re-sign Lamb, you have these three wide receivers on the books for several years, which is important. Yes, it is. It is important to have a solidified, solid re- receiving core. Um, currently, the team who knows that very well is the New York Football Giants, who basically have trash cans running routes. And they are still surprisingly, shockingly, still seven and three, the same record as the Dallas Cowboys. So, I mean, the New York Giants, I think, could would would benefit a lot more with Odell coming back there than the Cowboys would benefit on adding Odell, just because of the fact that it would it would give the Giants a solid wide receiver who can make plays and turn short yardage plays into into a touchdown and also provide that deep threat and that consistent catching ability just to give Daniel Jones a little bit of a little bit of extra support because right now I do think Daniel Jones has played much better this year than he has in it collectively for the other years he's not turning the ball over as much he's you know getting the ball out on time getting out quickly using his legs and that's one of the reasons why they are seven and three right now the other but the main reason is the fact that they're able to run the football very well so but I mean as we saw last week when they played the Lions um, the Lions were able to really focus on stopping the run and once they were able to stop the run the Giants really didn't have any answer with the passing game because 
to be honest, they didn't really have anybody in the passing game for Daniel Jones to get the ball to other than Saquon Barkley. And I saw a stat um, today that Kadarius Toney has about 20, 28 target, 28 catches, and that's still far lower than any other team's number one leading receiver. So that just tells you how abysmal the Giants' offensive passing attack is. So, I mean, it would be the Giants would benefit a lot more than the Cowboys, but both teams could really use Odell Beckham Jr. It's just comes, it really just comes down to how each offense utilizes him because we saw um, Baker Mayfield was not able to utilize Odell Beckham Jr. well. He goes to the Rams, Matthew Stafford, and Sean McVay were able to get every ounce of Odell out, Odell Beckham Jr. that they could. And he was the main reason why they were they did so in the postseason. Now we're in stage three, and it really comes down to whoever gets Odell is going to have to figure out how to get him the ball and utilize him the right way. And that's really up to the quarterbacks and the offensive coordinators. Um, as for the the injuries, I I think that um, I mean Parsons he's been dealing with stuff for most of the year, so hopefully it's just a minor thing like it has been, and that he'll be able to get out there and wreck havoc like he did last week as for digs i'm i'm kind of just penciling that in as just like a writing stuff down on the injury report because he did play well and played for most of the entire game last week and of course marcus lawrence with his foot um he he said he's been playing with a lot of discomfort but the fact that he's out there playing is a good sign and then Zeke, he's going to be healthier every time he gets out and plays an additional game. So he didn't have the best game as it was yards per carry, but there were plenty of runs where he was getting four or five yards a pop, and he did have those two rushing touchdowns as well. So um, look, he's going to be that power back, and, and Pollard's going to add that burst. And then as for the, as for the, um, the sickness, just get some medicine and let's get out there on Thursday. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, get some IVs in the arms. Give players some energy, and hopefully, everyone feels better. Um, now, this game was obviously uh, for for everyone that did not watch it. Um, it was the opposite of boring. It was action packed from the start of the this game to the end of it um and ray i will be very nice and i will allow you to talk about the game first so what were your thoughts on it well that was your first mistake because (laughs) how i'm going to start the game is the cowboys if um in case you were in a very top secret juror meeting and could not look at your phone for the last week the Cowboys absolutely blitzed the Minnesota Vikings in their own stadium. It was the largest margin of victory in the organization's history. That includes the Romo era, Aikman era, Staubach era, any era you really want to throw in there. Um, this Cowboys team has the largest margin of victory. So um, congratulations to them. Good work. Um, unfortunately, I they've been like we've seen this stuff before where the Cowboys have – you know, put this blueprint up there like, hey, this is what we can be when we play our best and we're locked in and we have, you know, revenge or whatever you want to call it on our minds and we want to bounce back after a terrible loss. We're going to go out and blow this team out and then we're going to move on with the season. Like, we've seen that so many times in the in the Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott type era, whatever you want to call it, where 
the Cowboys will drop a game they shouldn't and then blow the next team out. And then all of a sudden you got Skip Bayless on Fox going, this is the Super Bowl team. I'm going to ride this team to the Super Bowl. They have what it takes. This is the different team, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not going to do that. And I'm just going to kind of pencil this in as this is what the team should be able to do. And I will say this positively, if the Cowboys play like this, they're going to be really tough to beat long-term. Um, I mean, I will, I will say as well, there, there are a lot of people, um, one person in particular that is going to have to, you know, kind of take a deep breath and acknowledge that he overreacted and did a lot of very fun things last week where he said stuff like this season is over. The team is missing the playoffs. They're going to get blown out by the Vikings. Um, there, it's time to fire everyone. It's time to do this. And then there was another person who said, relax, my friend. You're, you're, you're over-exaggerating it. Take a deep breath. The Cowboys are making the playoffs. They're still 6-3. and three, And they got a very easy schedule coming up. And, and lo and behold, the Cowboys are fine. And they're 7-3. and three, And they just blew out the Vikings. So that's just wanted just wanted to throw that out there for everyone to hear. Now to just going into just like two or three things that really stood out to me about the game. The first thing is I will give credit to Mr. Dak Prescott. I criticized him a lot last week, and he played his best game of his career after I criticized him. So I doubt he heard what I had to say, but I mean he did play well. He only he only had three incompletions. One of them was a drop. I'm not sure about the other two, but was close to 90%, which is extremely high. Um, did not turn the ball over. Had 220-ish passing yards, eight yards attempt per attempt. Was very efficient. And I said last, and I said the week um, or last week after the Packers game that Dak Prescott is. I need Dak Prescott to be the the pilot, not the engine. The engine needs to be the running game where, I mean, we get that started, we get that going, and then Dak's got to be the pilot. He's got to manage everything and just make sure everything is moving, um, moving as it should. And I thought that in the Packers game, they got a little bit away from that. He kind of turned into the engine, and that's where the offense stalled at the end of the game. And it – and while the defense did give up those late touchdowns, the offense was not able to kind of bail out the defense for a change. And we, we ended up having the, the, the Green Bay debacle that we had to unfortunately talk about. So, um, like, and, but this game was completely different. He managed the game very well, was a great pilot, got the, pl- um, got the plane off the runway, took it across, across the, the world and landed it perfectly on the other side with 40 points on offense. And basically the Cowboys scored basically every possession um, that they had the football, which was, which is just a telltale of what the offense can do when they're kind of firing on all cylinders. So I give credit to Dak. I give credit to Kellen Moore and I really give credit to, um, to really everybody on the offense who contributed. That's kind of my first point. The second point um, is the, the run, the run defense is still a problem. Um, Dalvin cook averaged 6.8 yards per carry on 11 
touches for 77 yards. Um, he was not a factor in the game only because the Minnesota Vikings pass, pass blocking was horrendous. And the Cowboys were able to neutralize the passing game just by getting to the quarterback so fast. Um, Justin Jefferson was a no-show. That was partially because of the coverage on him and partially because the Cowboys, um, Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, um, whoever you want to throw, whosever name you want to throw in there, were in Cousins' face within two or three seconds after he snapped the ball. So um, basically kind of just for to paint a, a little picture, that's basically getting the ball and and looking at your first read and barely and saying, oh, he's not open, and then all of a sudden you're getting sacked. So um, I, I've i said a couple of times on this show, and, and it's kind of been my – one of my calling cards is that the best way to make your, your, your back end look great is to get pressure on the quarterback with your pass rush because with the, it speeds up the um, – speeds up the play, gets the offense out of rhythm, ball is coming out a lot faster than – they're wanting it to. It allows you to gamble and and jump on jump on routes, get turnovers, force pass breakups. Um, allows the defense, the DBs to be a little bit more aggressive. So um, when when the Cowboys are able to get to the get to the passer quickly, it it allows them to kind to to kind of hide their their weakness, which is stopping the run. Because even if even if a team is running well, which the Vikings were, they they were were getting negative plays because they couldn't pass the ball effectively because their quarterback was getting sacked or having to throw the ball away. So I think it'll be very interesting to see um, how the Cowboys do in the next couple of weeks when they're going to be playing a couple of teams who do have much better offensive lines than the than the Minnesota Vikings did once they lost their left tackle. So we're going to see if the Cowboys, if they're able to get that pass rush um, – pass or, or have an effective pass rush and um, allow the, 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 the back end to, to take those chances because the entire year we've been basically saying it the entire time where Cowboys need to fix a run defense. They need to fix a run defense. They need to fix a run defense and it's just not getting fixed. So it's getting close to the point where I don't think it is going to be fixed so the the second alternative is we got to get to the passer quickly and speed up that passing attack to make sure that we're still able to make plays on defense without giving up so many yards rushing. Um, so that's just kind of my key takeaway. And with you know the Derrick Henry coming up, Saquon coming up, ETN coming up, um, Miles Sanders, um, Jalen Hurts, all those like solid running attacks. Um, Damian Pierce of the Texans. The Texans are not a good football team, but they have been able to run the ball effectively. So we're going to see a lot of different teams that the Cowboys are going to play, and it's really going to come down to how they respond to each of those teams and how the defense plays based on the what running game or what running game each team is able to produce in that in that in their individual individual game. Um, and the last thing that I have to say was Brett Maher had a career day and he, he nailed one from 60 plus nailed his others from 50 plus was perfect on extra points. He, he basically had a, I told you so game from the week before where instead of allowing him to kick the field goal, 
they put the ball in um, the offensive hands on fourth down and ended up turning it over. So we can get into, oh, the weather was bad, the wind had changed or whatever, but he was nailing field goals from 60 – from like that would be good from 63-64. So I've, I have very – a lot of confidence that he could have nailed one from 48 or 45 or however long it was. And just a little um, direct quote to my, my partner, Mr. Owen, he was talking about how he didn't want Maher to go out there and shank it. Um, he – he looked pretty good, didn't he? Yeah, he he did he did kick that sixty yarder twice, and the first time it was kind of shaky, and the second time it uh was dead center. I I just meant shanking is in uh with the weather and everything like that. Um, yeah. But, well, he Mr. Owen also he was like money maher in all caps, and I just said, don't do that after last week, and that was the end of that. So. Yeah, I'm glad. Once again, we I'm glad that we have a kicker that we can trust. Hopefully, the 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 head coach trusts him a little bit more to make game winning field goals. Because I I there I do not have any um, fear watching him come out to to kick field goals um, that he's going to miss. And there was a there was a time where I did. But after last week and his showing this entire year, I have no issue with him kicking kicking field goals. So those are kind of my three takeaways from the Vikings game. I was surprised that you didn't mention this part. Um the throw to lead up to the um the field goal was very twenty sixteen Aaron Rodgers to James Cook E. It was a good throw. And was... C D Lamb made a very nice catch. Yes, but this throw it felt, was kind it of expecting him to drop it, which it did look like he did drop it. But luckily, but, but luckily, and that's why they reviewed it, which was a shame. But it, they didn't end up calling it a confirmed catch, and then Maher had to unfortunately kick it again. And like you said, he put it right down the middle. So, but yes, that that throw um, goes into the Dak played his best game his career. That yeah. That, we're just going to put that over there. I said it out loud. It, it's on video. I'm just going to put it over there. Okay. Um, I think that this was, this game was probably Tony Pollard, his, his just, his coming out party. I know that he's had great games in the past, but coming out of college, he was known for, his catching ability and his return ability and Dallas, I feel like they slighted him by never really allow never really allowing him to be his full potential. And he was throwing the ball six times and he caught the ball six times for 109 yards and two touchdowns. And he was the best receiver of the day. And like you, you saw Dak throw it to him in the flat, and he take it, and he took it for a touchdown. Or you see Dak storm a streak, and it was a really nice ball, and he brings it in for a touchdown. And the more and more that the games go on, the higher and higher Tony Pollard's check or his his the more money he will be getting, the more that he plays. And I hope that Dallas decides to have a conversation with his with their agent. And I hope they pay him because this offense is at another level because of him. 
Um, now the run defense, I, I I do agree to up to a certain extent, but when you're up 37 points, I know that it's probably a bad excuse, but I I think that like kind of like the um the game a few weeks ago, like you want the team to run the ball. So you so well, I have a I have a quick counter. Uh huh. Twelve of the of of Dalvin Cook's fifth or eight or three of Dalvin Cook's 11 rushing attempts came in the second half. So he accumulated his 77, most of his 77 <laughs> yards rushing in the, fir- in, in the first half when the game yeah. was still fairly, fairly close. Okay. I mean, it was 17 to three before Maher kicked the field goal to go up 20 mm-hmm. to three. So yeah. it was still relatively close. You got me there. He had a long of 17. And if you take out the 17 yards, he, it was a 10 for 55, which is still still good. So, yeah, Dallas definitely needs to clean that up. But I'll take this any day over Dallas giving up 200 yards combined on the rushing. So this is better. It's still not great, but like you said, they have a bunch of other running teams, a good rushing team to come up against. Um, I owe an apology to Michael Parsons. Um the team several they stated several times how angry they were and Michael Parsons was calling out everyone apparently and on the third play of the game he strip sacked uh Kirk Cousins as you can see in my picture yeah. um and first time Owens put up a, a, a background how fitting and suspicious <laughs> um and yeah Micah yeah, he, he's pretty good. Um, the whole defense played great. They had seven sacks. I think my favorite play of the game was when J-Ron Curse sacked Kirk Cousins. And J-Ron Curse is an ex-Viking, and he did the skull chant. And that that was mocking them. That was pretty funny. Um, Curse, is, Curse is really funny. And I, I, I enjoy watching him play. Um. I think that everyone had a really I think this also showed I think that now for the first time in a while we have defined Zeke and Tony Pollard's um roles because there was one drive early in the game that that they let that they let Pollard have the um the drive and they were on like the th- the second or third yard line and Tony Pollard ran it on first and second and goal and he was stuffed and then you had, and you threw Zeke back there, and he was like a touchdown like that. And I think that it's not, it's not fair to say, oh, I want him to start. I want him to start because they they both have their roles, and they both will touch the. Zeke had 15 carries, and Tony Pollard had 15 carries. Tony Pollard had 21 total touches, and Zeke had, I believe, 16. Yeah, he had 16 total carries to touches. So Tony Pollard got the ball more, and he was obviously more effective. He's just on a more elusive back. He's more of like the back that Zeke was in 2016. Um, but obviously, Zeke has become a more of a power back, and you always need a power back. Um, so I'm glad that they have they have um, grown into their specific roles and. I, I like that Zeke is not um, envious towards Pollard or anything like that. It's good to 
they had type of relationship. Um, Dak had a really great game. I thought that CeeDee Lamb, he had five targets, five receptions for 45 yards. That's not record-breaking or anything like that, but he did what he was supposed to do. Um, I was on a plane for half of the game. I, I rewatched it afterward, and I was... I was just pleasantly surprised with, with, with how the team played. Um, I was wrong. I thought that Dallas was going to uh, too many times in years past has Dallas been hit in the mouth and have that they have not um, come back. And you can even go back to last year when the Broncos beat them and then they beat up on the Falcons. Well, that's the Falcons. Um, and Minnesota was 8-1 and one going into Minnesota and – um, I, I thought that the game was was I thought the Dallas was going to be in trouble after they got the strip sack and they only got three points out of it because I think that especially going up against a team that runs the ball well when you can't stop the run you need to get as many touchdowns as you can to kind of save the defense but I was wrong um, and this game in basically a little over. 30 five hours um that game if Dallas can win that I think that it would pretty much solidify at least getting second in the division um obviously the Eagles didn't look great this past Sunday um barely beating Ray Starcourse AFC team so it will be interesting to see how the Eagles um how they rebound because Dallas plays them again in 31 days or something like that, maybe 32. So that game is very important and a lot can change now to then. Dallas only has three losses to the Eagles one. So a lot can change in the next month. But I like, like Ray said, this is the standard that they should be playing at. They should not. If, if the offense looks slow on Thursday, Ray will be very livid, and so will I. Um, and hopefully they can just play on a similar level. Um, but my MVP of the game is the defensive line. I think that they are the reason why, or and, and Trayvon Diggs can get that as well, because for all you stat f- folks out there, Trayvon Diggs, when he was guarding Justin Jefferson, only two catches were allowed for 19 yards and one forced incompletion, which going up against a guy who had like 150 last week, only have 33 yards, that, that's pretty good. Um, would there have been a different outcome if Kirk Cousins didn't get sacked seven times? Maybe. Um, but I, I like this outcome a lot more. And going up against the Giants, which we'll get into a little bit later, the the Marcus Lawrence had a career game against them. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they this this defensive line plays against them, especially with the Giants being out a number of players. But Ray, any comments or thoughts? Well, um, I did have a thought. I forgot it, so I'm just gonna give my MVP of the game and hope that the thought comes back to me. Uh, <laughs> my my MVP of the game is an individual player. He is his name is 
Micah Parsons because he was basically all over the field as he as he usually is. Sacked Kirk Cousins twice, was in his face the entire game, forced to fumble. Really kind of set the tone from the beginning. And he's he's basically been that like um Micah Parsons has been the engine on the, the Cowboys defense. And when he doesn't play well, the Cowboys defense does not play well, it seems like. So, I mean, 95% of the time, Micah Parsons has played well and the Cowboys have played well on defense. And then the other 5%, he has not played well and the Cowboys defense has not played well. So he kind of sets the tone. He set the tone from the beginning last at the, from the, from last week's game and really kind of, um, let Kirk Cousins and the Vikings know from like the first series that it was going to be a long afternoon. So that was kind of my that was my MVP. And the thought that I was going to say was what I will say about this game. Um, the last I think they played them three. Yeah, the last three games the Cowboys have faced against the Kirk Cousins Vikings, they have all been decided by one score. So I thought it was very encouraging that we we both think that the Vikings are a better team than they were those last three years that we have matched up with them the first being with Andy Dalton or the first being with Dak second with Andy Dalton and third with Cooper Rush um, this fourth meeting um, the Cowboys were able to really basically annihilate them on all on all aspects of the game except for stopping the run um, but I mean like I said, when you're when you're able to get to the quarterback, it, it negates a lot of the issues that come up from not being able to get to the um, to stop the run because you know I mean you're scoring a lot of points, you're ending drives early, and it just kind of puts the other team in a position where they have to abandon the run. So um, those that's kind of my last quick point, and then MVP with Mike Parsons. Awesome. And one thing that I wanted to add was that Dallas. Um, broke Kirk Cousins' 39-game streak of a pa- of throwing a passing touchdown, and I believe they mentioned on the broadcast that Kirk last week beat out Tony Romo for most. But Tony still leads the most away games, consecutive away games with touchdowns. So, congratulations, Mister Romo. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, well, at least that shows you that Tony Romo shows up on the road, unlike Amari Cooper in Dallas. But I'll leave, I'll leave that at that. But anyway, back to, back to the original or the, the next program on this, on this podcast, we, we got Turkey Day coming up, and the Cowboys are facing the New York Giants. And the last time we saw the Giants was with Cooper Rush at quarterback. Um, the the Giants are, have a very similar football team that they did um, when when we played them. I think maybe Thibodeau. It was Thibodeau's first game back from injury. Yeah. Um, so he he's gonna be he's gonna be there once again. The one difference is. Um, that Kadarius Tony is not going to be with the Giants. He is has found a new home in Kansas City, so we won't have to take into account him. But I mean, the main the main focal point, in my opinion, 
I'm just going to kind of take this and run run with it and then give give it over to you. My main my main emphasis on this game and I wrote a couple of key things that the Cowboys need to do in order to get this win and I'm just going to read a couple of them just in case you have you have some not to steal every single point. Um, the first one is to obviously the Cowboys need to step on the Giants' throats early. Um, the one thing that the Giants are really good at and have been good at this year is they have really thrived in close games. Um, they've only all the three games that they've lost this year have come when they were down 14 or more in the fourth quarter. Um, so if the Cowboys can get, step on their necks early, get this game to a three possession lead by late, late, um, late second half, um, it'll put them in a good spot. It's what they cannot do is start off, you know, nonchalant on offense, keep it nip and tuck the defense, you know, give up 13 or so points to the giants. And we get into the fourth quarter and it's 13, 10 giants. That would be um, that the Giants at that point are right where they want to be. The Cowboys the last few years have shown that they're a little bit inconsistent in close games in the fourth quarter under Dak Prescott and with Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore. I'll, I'll throw all the facets in there just so you can't blame me for hating on Dak by himself. We got I'll throw all of those facets in there. Um, so the, what Cowboys, they got to do, they got to get, get up early, um, start fast, get a couple touchdowns on the board and then force the, the giants to play from behind um, with Daniel Jones at the helm and not very much passing weapons on his side. Um, that kind of segues into the Saquon Barkley point. Um, we, I'm sure we both have this point, but it's just so obvious. I'm going to say it. Um, so we just immediately, the Cowboys need to stop Saquon Barkley and the lions. They, they gave the blueprint to stop the, to stop the Giants. They really made an emphasis on stopping Saquon Barkley. Um, Barkley only had 23 rushing yards against the Lions. So it really neutralized that offense because it, it made it it made Daniel Jones have to play from behind with a very limited um, receiving core to get the ball to. So it, it just – it's whether – I don't care how good you are, um, those receive those, the receivers on the Giants might be the worst receivers collectively any NFL team has ever had. So, I mean, the, it's it's kind of what what um, I've been saying, and some other people are saying it's really hard to evaluate Daniel Jones when you're not giving him any any sort of talent. So, um, if if the Cowboys the Cowboys know that the Cowboys have the depth chart, they know who they're facing. If they can somehow neutralize Saquon Barkley and force the Giants to beat them with their passing game, then I think the Cowboys will have no issue um, getting this victory. Um, of course, there could be the, the outlier where it's Thanksgiving and the Cowboys do Cowboys things, which just to throw some notes, the Cowboys are 8-8 eight and eight on Thanksgiving since 2006. And they are two and three in the DAC era. And two of those victories came against the Washington football team. The other three have come from the or the three L's have come from the, the Raiders chargers and bills. 
So the Cowboys have done very well playing the NFC East on, on Thanksgiving. However, they have done very poorly playing anyone outside the NFC East. So the good news is they're playing an NFC East team. The bad news, it's not the Washington Commanders or football team or whoever they were at the time. So, um, yeah, we got we to gotta stop the run and at that point hope that the Cowboys defense can stay with the, the Cowboys or the Giants receiving core. And let's see, any other thing that is not that um, – yeah, that's about that's all I'm going to say for my keys, and then I'll let you take it away. Take it away from there. You are so nice. Well, going back to the um, going back to the game where the Giants lost to the Cowboys, twenty three sixteen. Dallas did sack the Giants five times, um, and but they did give up 167 rushing yards. So I feel like if they can keep that to a minimum, um, that, that'd be great. I think that a big reason why Dallas won that game is, like like Ray mentioned a million times, that game was a bunch of Cowboys playing, eh, Giants. When they scored, Cooper Rush led them to a scoring drive. And if Cooper Rush didn't do that, then Dallas lost that game, and Dallas is in a very big issue right now. So I think that the offense will be more consistent with the uh, Dak Prescott-led offense will be more consistent. And just going on some, yeah, just just I I think that the Dallas Cowboys offense will be a little bit more consistent than um, than a than the Cooper Rush-led offense was and obviously stopping Saquon um and Aziz the Giants already released some in in inactives for the game and Aziz Ojolari who is one of their better um pass rushers he is not um he will not be playing but let me just pull up one one stat that I wanted to talk about And while you're pulling that up, I'm really quickly um, mention that the 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 Cowboys when they have you know the last couple of, last year when the Cowboys played the Giants, Dak Prescott had did not play well either time. So this is kind of one of the this could be. You know, Owen's favorite word, the Dak's revenge game against the Giants. Because last time they played, Dak had a very abysmal game. Good. The good news was it was against Mike Glennon, who threw four interceptions, I think, that day. And um, the Cowboys had that game that was so difficult to watch. So, so like Owen said, he's looking for a more consistent Cowboys offense with the pilot, Dak Prescott, and the engine, the running game. And we will see a very, very positive, um, positive offensive, offensive game plan. Anyway, back mm-hmm. to your wonderful stat. <laughs> so, um, basically, weeks Dallas 
offense week 7 through 11, their first in points, which definitely is aided by the uh, win against the um, Vikings. They are third in total yards, third in rushing yards, sixth in passing yards, 11th in turnovers, first in red down, uh, sorry, third down, third in red zone, touchdown percentage, sixth in explosive plays, five, fifth in sacks per attempt. And first in points per drive. And in weeks one through six, they were 23rd offensive points, 27th total yards, 16th rushing yards, 27th passing yards, 4th in turnovers. So they were better in turnovers, 29th ranked, 3rd down percentage, 20th ranked, red zone touchdown percentage, 26th ranked explosive plays, 8th ranked sacks per attempt, and 25th ranked points per drive and yes it is on a a, a three week or four week instead of a six week but those 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 that that's a very wide margin because i know that in the beginning of the season i was very ticked off with dallas's third down percentage and obviously they went from 29th to first in the last four weeks so it is good to see that um but i expect dallas to win this game by multiple scores if they play the game that that that, they, that they're capable of playing, um, like Ray mentioned, I have not had a good Thanksgiving in many years. Um, so the last the last positive Thanksgiving I can think about was when Dallas beat the football team, and Amari Cooper had like two touchdowns, I think, and broke a few for. Yeah, it was that was that was a very good day. But last they year, Colt McCoy that year, Colt McCoy was the quarterback for the. Um, Washington football team. Oh, brother! And last last year, losing to the Raiders was was very heartbreaking. Um, like you mentioned, the Chargers a few years ago, the Panthers when they were really good. A lot of not so great Thanksgivings. Um, so hopefully Dallas can play well. Um, we are thankful though that Dallas does not play a Thursday game. The following week, because normally Dallas plays Sunday, Thursday, Thursday, but now they do Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. So Dallas gets another few days rest, which is very good for Michael Parsons and the rest of the gang. So thank you, NFL schedule makers. Um, but a little just outlook on rest of the season. They have the Giants, Colts, Texans, Jaguars, Eagles, Titans, and Commanders. And if Dallas plays the way that they played yesterday or sorry, Sunday, the only games that I can really see them losing are um, the Colts games in primetime. Well, that's interesting. If Jonathan Taylor, well, like Ray Ray mentioned, a lot of these teams are very good at running the ball, um, which is either, uh, you can only look at it, it's good for Dallas that they get to um, look at it, they get to, Get more practice against top running games, or that this could be detrimental, and they could they could look worse. But um, I think Dallas is in a really good spot. Like Ray mentioned several months ago, the beginning of the season was going to be the most difficult, and Dallas walked out of there with only two losses. Um, and hopefully Dallas can walk out with only four or five law or f- only the five or six losses with this with coming out of the year, which should be very good. Um, but I, I do hope that 
that these are some really good tests coming up, and obviously the, mo- the most difficult test will be the Eagles. And if the Eagles keep on playing like they had the last two weeks, then it's going to be a really good game. But my the player to look out for, in my opinion, is Demarcus Lawrence. He he always plays well against the Giants, and I think that he will continue that. Um, and my my score prediction is. 35-13 Dallas. In, okay. Um, that is quite the score prediction. Um, truth be told, I expected you to come out here and pick the Giants. Um, hey, I'm glad, at, I'm, glad you've, I'm, glad, I'm glad you've learned from your mistake of picking against the Cowboys and you've now moved on to the I'm going to pick the Cowboys train. But um, a couple of additional things that I just wanted to mention. The um, yeah, in regards to the the upcoming upcoming schedule, really the Cowboys should win every game ex- that they play, except for maybe the Eagles game and the Titans game. Because I mean the Titans. I did not expect the Titans to be this good without a solid passing game, but just shows how if you have a really well-coached, disciplined team that that's not that does not make a lot of mistakes and just is very very efficient, they can win games in the NFL. And honestly, I think the Titans could even be their toughest test coming in, just for that fact that they're not going to make mistakes. So, I think the Cowboys, even if they don't play to the level. Um, that they played last weekend against the Vikings, they can still get out of there with only two losses and finish the year at 11 and or at 12 and five. So, I mean, it would be beneficial for the Cowboys to play like they did last week and go into the playoffs hot and not on, on the roller coaster that we saw the year prior. But I do think that the Cowboys are not in a, in a, um, dire need of playing perfect football and that they can I mean they're going to need to play perfect football to win the division and get the number one seed in the in the NFC but they're not going to need to play perfect football to make the playoffs and 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 uh, play in a playoff game so that's just kind of one thing I wanted to mention the the other thing that I was kind of thinking about while you were giving your you know your overall thoughts um i think you were you were talking about um before you're kind of oh you're your player to watch or whatever yeah demarcus lawrence um it he does seem to play it's either the 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 either washington or the giants he always kind of plays very well so i mean I do think that um, what the Giants are going to try and do is they're going to try and do their best to neutralize Micah Parsons. And it's going to be very important. And, and, I mean, the Giants are really are a pretty good coach team. That's why they're winning all these close games in the fourth quarter. They're a, good, they're a well-coached team. So I think what's going to be important is I think that they're going to probably come, they're going to come up with a good scheme in order to kind of make sure that Micah Parsons is not a one man wrecking crew. 
it's going to be very important that you have like Demarcus Lawrence and Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler, Dante Fowler, Sam Williams. All, yeah, all those guys need to step up and generate that pass rush. And Demarcus Lawrence has got to kind of set the tone there. And the fact that he plays very well against the Giants and did have a very big play last time we played them early on, um, it's going to be – I'm pretty confident that we will see a, a Demarcus Lawrence sighting. And I'm, and I'm hoping to see him a lot more because other than to the, the game where the, – the game against the Giants where he had three sacks – and last week, he's really kind of been um, a very neutral player where he does a lot of things well, um, kind of does his job, sets the edge, um, hasn't really contributed to the run game, which has been pretty pathetic all around. But he does his job. He sets the edge well, doesn't really make a ton of mistakes, but he's not generating you know, the, the pass rush that a Micah Parsons is or a Dorrance Armstrong is. So, I mean, other than those three, those two games where he's generated five sacks in two games, um, I'd like, like it would be great if he could continue on that consistency because there's still a lot of games left where he could generate a double-digit sack season, which would be his first in, I think, three or four, four or five yeah. years. So um, it, would be, it would be great going into the postseason to get some good tape from Demarcus Lawrence um, to where teams are looking at the Cowboys and they're like, all right, we got Micah Parsons who has is coming up close on getting twenty sacks in his second year. We got Dorrance Armstrong who's 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 sacking the quarterback, has a chance to get ten, and then Demarcus Lawrence who has a chance to get ten. So it really kind of forces defensive or defensive coordinators to not just scheme to take away one player. They got to really pay attention to the entirety of the defensive line. I think that would help Micah Parsons a lot if we can get a little bit of consistency out of the rest of the guys. So that's just kind of something that came to mind after your soliloquy. Um, I I, I do think – sorry, I didn't know if you were done or not. You can continue. No, I'm done. I'm done. done. Okay. I do. I, I disagree with your um, your 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 run game statement with Demarcus Lawrence. I think that he's had like against the Lions with the forced fumble, um, he has set the edge, and I do agree with that. But I do think that he is a much better um, run stopper than he is pure pass rusher. But um, I I do think that like I do think that also. Just consistency is big with him as well, but I, I do think that he he has played well in the run, run game, and he has six sacks on the year, which, I mean, it's not going to like – I think the highest is 13 right now with Matthew Judon and with Michael Parsons having 10 and a half. If, if, you're, if you're leading – if your sack leader has 10 and a half and then Demarcus Lawrence has six, I think that you're, you're looking pretty good. Um, but one thing that neither of us brought up was that um, late in the game, they moved Tyler Smith to left guard and they let the former Eagle, um, Jason Peters, play left tackle. And I was on a plane, so I didn't get to see it. I, I watched some of the snaps after and it looked pretty good. I think that that is their plan for when Tyler, when, so when Tyron Smith comes back and Ray, I will send you 
just a few of the clips of, that I that I saw after this, um, and it, it looks good. Um, I think I might have seen the same clip on okay. Twitter where they it was just like a couple of running plays. I do yeah. kind of recall seeing the clip. I mean, it doesn't change. I'll get into my opinion after you're yeah. done, but yeah, continue. Um, I do think that it, it is smart of Dallas to play your best five because um, I'd much rather have Tyron Smith left tackle for right now and then Tyler left guard, but obviously for the future, Ty- Tyler Smith is the future at left tackle, but Ray always tells me you want to play your best players and Tyron Smith is the better player um, and you obviously do not play him until he's 100% healthy. So if he does come back, then 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 you make the switch. But if he's not if he's not healthy, then you don't obviously. But um, I I'm, I commend this coaching staff um, for one thing, and that is injuries for this year. Last year, when when Zeke tore his PCL, they still ran him out there. But this year, they 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 realized that hey, if the guy's injured, maybe we should sit him for a few weeks. And then he had two touchdowns on Sunday. So um, with guys like Damone Clark making meaningful snaps, Anthony Brown had a concussion and he was back in. Um, I'm, I'm looking looking forward to this game and this team. But to be honest, I will not get too overly excited until after the Giants game because for all we know, with their, with their inconsistent play, they could drop a dud. I don't think they will. I wouldn't be surprised. So if they can play well that game, then I will be a lot more confident in what they can what they can do. But I do agree with Ray that if they play like this for the next two months, three months, that no one like the only thing they're able to stop them is themselves. Yeah, um, I'm going to make a couple quick points, give my prediction, and then we can move on to the the ace in the hole of the episode. Um, <laughs> so um, my, De- my DeMarcus Lawrence point wasn't to criticize him for the run game. It was more of a individually, he may or may not be playing well. I don't have the numbers or stats to prove it, but it's not really contributing to the overall effectiveness of the team stopping the run. And yes, the, the forced fumble did really turn the game around for the Cowboys against the Lions. So I will give him credit for that. He did show up in that particular moment. But other than that, he's kind of just been there, like that neutral guy who's doing his job, but his job is not necessarily helping everybody else do their job, or they're not helping him. A better better, better way of saying is they're not doing their job and helping him to, oh, to solve the ultimate goal of stopping the run. Now – the other point before I make my uh, prediction, the Demarcus Lawrence, he's got three sacks against the Giants and then two against the Vikings and then one other sack. I think it was probably against the Packers. So he had one three, sack against the Vikings, one sack against the Packers, one against the Bears, and then three against the Giants. So he does have three consecutive games with a sack. Okay. So he, yeah. So he has got his, the, the three early sacks in the year and then three consecutive games with a sack. So it is trending towards more consistency. Um, but the 
I'm going to, I want to see it a little bit more because in the past, even in the past, we'd have, you know, the DeMarcus Lawrence flash game where he gets the sack, recovers his fumble, his own fumble that he forced and runs in for a touchdown. And Owen's texting me saying, D law siding. He, he got his sack. Look at that. And then we, we go four or five games where he, he's just on the edge doing his thing and Micah Parsons is generating all the all the pressure so it is nice that he is looking like the early on Demarcus Lawrence that was generating pressure and getting to the quarterback and being a force in the pass rush game Um, but I it's like I said it's going to be very important that he continues to do that and other players like the Dorrance Armstrongs really step up because that's going to allow Micah Parsons to do his job more effectively because teams are going to be a little bit more hesitant to scheme to stop him and allow the other guys to just wreak havoc on the offensive line. And then my final score prediction, I have the Dallas Cowboys winning this game as well, 32-21. How many yards do you think? Saquon Barkley will have. One twenty-seven. Yeah, like he did, huh? One hundred twenty-seven. Hmm. Very, 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 very nice. And I have one quick question. I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but does Dak Prescott have a three hundred yard game since he's come back? No. He was close to this game. Okay, so um, because I'm I'm not doubting Pro Football Focus or whatever, wherever you got it, but like if he's only generating two hundred, I know he had a hundred a a game under two hundred yards. I think, yeah, and the yeah, 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 and. Um, I mean, there are a lot of quarterbacks throwing for 300. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me to picture the Cowboys being sixth and I think yards per pa- or passing passing yards. But, I mean, all the other stats I do agree with because they are generating 30-plus a game. Their um, running efficiency is up because of the Tony Pollard breakout games. Um, Pat, like, efficiency on third down is up. Like, all those stats are up. The only stat that really – made me pause was the passing yards per game. It just didn't – that they were six. It just didn't make make sense. But, I mean, of course, that's just me having to go and actually do the research. I can't really shoot the messenger in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, are we – I, I, I do – yeah, by all means. I know you've been itching for this last, like, four days, so please. Yeah, so we are returning to the segment where we – throw our Cowboys hat aside and take a vacation from reality and ultimately escape from reality, the name of the segment. So there is one particular thing I would like to talk about that has been a huge NFL-wide news story, and it's the reason why I wanted to bring the segment back and um, bring it back to to the show because we've mainly just been all Cowboys the last – 10 weeks so this is kind of our return and and it's been nice being all cowboys because they've been winning 
so but um escape from reality is really mainly for those times when the cowboys are not winning so the good news is they are so we're able to not as we don't have to take that break as much but anyway um the that specific topic is the Zach Wilson news report. If you did not know, the Jets got did not beat the Patriots. They lost ten to three. Um, the Patriots did not score an offensive touchdown. Their touchdown came on a end of game punt return that ultimate that was very Deshaun Jackson esque. The only difference was he did not run off the entire clock, and there was a couple of seconds, but it didn't matter. The game was over and at the end of the game after throwing for 77 yards nine of 22 um or not completing only nine passes out of 22 attempts generating two yards of offense having negative 22 passing yards in the second half i think it was um the reporters asked zach wilson they said hey you as since you've only scored three points and the defense gave up three points. Do you feel like you let the defense down this game? And it was basically a softball question. It's it's a question that every I, – I have confidence that every quarterback in the league would say, yeah, I got to play better. This one's on me. I stunk. I need to watch film, figure it out. We'll be better next week. Zach Wilson blatantly was just said no, I do not think – that we let the the defense down as an offense and i mean just to to start off one it's immature two terrible leadership and then three just delusional because i mean i don't know how you can get on you can just think that you after playing like straight trash did not let your defense down and I think that it lost a ton of people in the locker room. I would be shocked if he still got believers in the locker room other than Braxton Berrios, who gets no playing time. Um, fitting that he's his one like good friend in the locker room. He doesn't play. And, I mean, at the end of the day, Zach Wilson, he has the fun off-season story um, that everyone can kind of get behind and make jokes about. But on the field, the last two years, he's been straight – um, um, like straight garbage, putrid, um, horrible. Without saying any explicits, um, just to go into some stat, just to go into some stats. Um, in the thirteen games last year, he generated fifty five percent of his fifty five percent completion percentage, two thousand three hundred thirty four yards, nine touchdowns, eleven interceptions. Did not he average one hundred seventy nine yards a game? and had a 69 passer rating with a 28 QBR that that um those numbers got him I 32nd worst amongst quarterbacks so he was the worst quarterback in 2021 um, or the worst starting quarterback in 2021 this year he averaged the, he has the, in seven games he has the exact same completion percentage he's thrown for 1279 yards four touchdowns, five interceptions, and generated still under 200 yards a game at three yards more than the year prior. And his quarterback rating has gone up a couple ticks, and QBR has gone up um, 20, 20 spots. But guess what, America? 
he is still he has actually gotten worse. He is now ranked the thirty seventh worst quarterback. What that means is that the quarterbacks who have played for a decent amount of have played a decent amount of snaps did qualify for this list, meaning that he is worse than some backup quarterbacks. So we could throw in Cooper Rush. We can throw in his buddy Joe Flacco. Um, we can I mean Malik Willis. I don't. I it would be Play really hard PJ for me Walker. to think. Yeah, PJ Walker is a good is a better um, a better analogy. Um, I don't know if you want to call like Carson probably Lentz, either Baker Carson Baker Mayfield, Taylor Heineke, just those guys who who've gone in and played a little bit. So. I even think Sam Ellinger might be ahead of Zach Wilson in his two starts. Um, I don't know if he qualified or not, but but basically, um, he's not improving. He's gotten worse um, in regards to his ranking amongst his peers. And if you look at his the the guy who was taken a pick ahead of him, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence has actually improved from his first year. Um, he is 6-21 and 21 as a starter, but I think if you were to put Trevor Lawrence in Zach Wilson's position, that he could do the same, if not better, just based on his improvement where he his touchdowns are up through – he has one more touchdown in 10 games than he had in 17 games. He has um, five more touchdowns and interceptions, so his interceptions are down, and he's throwing more touchdowns than he is interceptions, which is an improvement. And he's generate. He has. Um, he's only nine hundred yards from eclipsing his mark from the year prior, and he's got seven games to go. And his quarterback rating um, was one tick below Zach Wilson's in year two. For year one, and then his quarterback rating is 11 ticks or 19 ticks ahead of Zach Wilson's in year two um, for his year two. Um, Justin Fields, I'm not going to argue their passing passing stats because they're very similar, Um, but Justin Fields brings a dynamic to the game that Zach Wilson's is not, and he's been able to use his legs super effectively and really open up the Bears' offense and kind of shown that he's taken that step in year two that he didn't in year one so wait what all i'm just trying to say is that zach wilson he's not getting better like his peers and he as a leader of the team he's basically going up there and shooting himself in the foot and also just completely shooting the locker room and i think at this point you got joe flacco on the bench who has won a super bowl Long, a long time ago, but he does have that on his resume. He's known for being Joe Cool in the playoffs. His best football comes when he's in the postseason. And the Jets are at a position right now where they could make it into the playoffs, and their defense is good enough to where if they have competence at quarterback, they can make a run in the postseason because they have talent on offense. Garrett Wilson's no scrub. Corey Davis is not a scrub. Um Denzel Mims, whilst people do think he's a scrub, he hasn't had some like solid contributing catches the last couple of weeks. So he he is an option for the offense. They have James Robinson, who's not Brees Hall, but is a complimentary solid running back. And they still have Michael Carter. So they have pieces on offense. Zach Wilson has just been unable to get the ball. And the interesting thing that I want to bring up 
just my last quick point on the matter is that when Joe Joe Flacco started three games this year, he was one and two. Um, his passing yards per game is at 300, which is double what Zach Wilson is generating. And his QBR is also um, basically around that Trevor Lawrence margin where he is average at that like 80, around that 80, 82, 85 mark. So um, I think it, there if if Robert Sala wants to keep hit the locker room and keep the season alive, whether or not it shoots Zach Wilson's confidence, which at this point his confidence is doing nothing for his performance on the field, um, you gotta if you want to save the season or have any sort of chance at doing anything at all, you gotta move on or at least. You have to move on from Zach Wilson if it is at if it is just a temporary um, end of season benefit. Because at this point, if you leave him in there, it tells your defense that you're not holding him accountable. It shows the team that you're not interested in winning because everyone in that locker room knows that they're not winning because of Zach Wilson. They're winning in spite of him. And I mean and there's everyone gets on Jimmy Garoppolo. I saw so many segments from so many different shows where you got people saying if the 49ers are going to make it to the Super Bowl, then it's because they're going to win in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, newsflash, um, Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers, I'll read them to, to you, Owen, and the listeners. Jimmy Garoppolo is completing 67% of his passes for 21,559 yards, 15 touchdowns, four interceptions, eight yards per attempt, 240 yards a game. And his QBR is up there in the 90s. So that tells you exactly what you need to know. If you have Jimmy Garoppolo on this Jets team, they're the same record, if not better. So that's all I have to say. Like you can, you can talk bad about Jimmy Garoppolo all you want, make fun of, how he's hanging out with you know, porn stars on a regular. The, the cheerleaders for the Golden State Warriors are introducing themselves. He's the, you know, the model of the NFL. He, he's an ab- below-average quarterback. My, my whole thing is that he, he's a quarterback in the wrong era. Um, if he were a quarterback in one era earlier, then he would be solid. But, I mean, he's playing with the Justin Herberts, the Patrick Mahomes, the Lamar Jacksons, the – um, say his name. Say his name. Say his name. Dak averages the same amount of yards. I'm not throwing him in there. This is for the people who throw for a lot of yards. Josh Allen's like you have all these spectacular um, quarterbacks who can make all these throws. You make all these highlight real plays, and then you have Jimmy Garoppolo, who's just your kind of stationary, chill pocket passer who is, manages the game. So there's really not much of flavor. With Jimmy Garoppolo on the field, um, you can get that flavor from his antics off the field, but you're not really going to see that on the field. So I think he kind of gets a bad rap for that reason, but he is a six, uh, close to a 70% winning quarterback, and that's not only him. He is on a very solid team, but, I mean, as you see, quarterbacks can win. Bad quarterbacks can win on good teams, and that's being shown with Zach Wilson, and he's – like at this, like you, my final point is you gotta you gotta bench him this year, and hope that it 
kind of is used as a mental reset for the for the quarterback. And if it's not, and you go into week three and he's struggling in minicamp, struggling in OTAs, struggling in this regular season, it might be time to consider trying to find a, a secondary option and just to write him off as a bust. Because, I mean, you can't be playing like trash and and showing up your defense when your defense is carrying the team. I basically got both of my reality points in the same one. So it's all you. The four is yours. You are a hundred percent right. Um, also one, one quick point, one quick point. Um, I have my problems with Dak Prescott. I, I think of myself as his harshest critic, but one of the people who wants to see him exceed the most, and it comes off as a very negative pessimistic type of fan. However, Dak Prescott is far leaps and bounds ahead of Zach Wilson when it comes to leadership and performance. And I would never expect Dak Prescott to do what Zach Wilson does. He always goes to the podium and whether or not it's except for that one time where he blamed the officials with the like, which I'm willing to give him a pass every other time it's, we didn't do enough on offense we got to play better, or I miss throws. I got to do better. And even Aaron Rodgers, who Owen hates with a passion, Aaron Rodgers has never gone up on the podium and been like, the defense, uh, we didn't let the defense down. It's like even last week, he, he said, um, I miss throws. I got to throw the football better. I did not throw to my expectation of what I can do. So he even took the blame in that regard. So the fact that Zach Wilson thinks he's above a, the back-to-back MVP is just ridiculous. That's the last thing I'm going to say. Now Aaron Rodgers just calls out his wide receivers in training camp, but that's just a joke. Um, yeah, I was going to mention that before. Josh Allen, when he threw for several picks against the Jets, he said, I played like whatever insert word, whatever word you want to play, Dak. He calls himself out um, and – Really, you know. can go down just, the list. Every quarterback yeah. till the end of time has said, like, Romo, Eli, Peyton, Breeze, Phillip Rivers, Brett Favre, yep. Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, oh. Troy Aikman, Jim Kelly. Like, yeah, everybody, John Elway, they all say, mm-hmm. I played by trash. Yeah. I got to play better. Yeah, and I, I do think that um, if, if, you, if you look, like, even – one of the Jets' best playmakers um, in their wide receiver, Ray, remind me of his name, the Garrett wide receiver who is like, hmm? Garrett Wilson. Oh, no, the, the, um, the one that, that, that's out on, the one that like hasn't, is, hasn't really been productive lately and like hates Zach Wilson. Uh, Corey Davis. No. Maybe? Different. different. I'll Google it. Keep talking, I'll Google it. Yeah, so there's the wide receiver that hasn't gotten the ball lately, and he's been complaining. Um, oh, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. Yeah, Elijah, thank you. And he was mentioning, and he, a reporter was saying, like, oh, like, Elijah, like, how do you feel about your production in the first three games and how, how like, how well you played and how you haven't really been playing as well? And he was like, oh, you thought I played well? And I, I just think that when, when, when his rookie year, he looked great, and now – he hasn't really been up to that level because of quarterback play, whatever you want to call it. But 
as soon as you start calling out your defense and stuff, and the, you lose their lock, you as soon as you lose the locker room, you lose everything. Um, and I think that he will probably be on his way out sooner rather than later. And my escape from reality is the Philadelphia Eagles playing the Rays' favorite Indianapolis Colts. Um, and just what I wanted to talk about, I guess, was just uh, Jalen Hurts, 18 completions for 190 yards, and then he ran the ball 16 times for 86 yards. And I think it's quite apparent that if you can just stop him running the ball, I think that you can probably like easily beat this team. Um his long was 23 yards, um, and obviously the, the, the team the team's really good, but I, I just think that it's just it's it's very it's very interesting his uh, his his um, point it's like his uh, stat differential, and then you had Nick Sirianni yelling at the fan that I was like that one was for Frank Reich, and it's just you beat a losing team by one point. Why are you screaming at their fans? Like, I, I'll, I'll, I get like Nick Sirianni is the perfect Philadelphia Eagles coach, but he is he can be annoying at times, and I'm sure Eagles fans love him, but he can be a tad annoying. Um, and again, in a plane for most of the game, most of these games. But looking, Patrick Mahomes had a game-winning drive, which is. We all kind of expect from from him, um, and just a, lo- a lot of the 49ers destroyed the Cardinals. The Bengals barely beat the Steelers, even though the Steelers looked like T.J. Watt had an interception that looked was a crazy interception. Um, Amari Cooper had a really good game. The rate the um, the Panthers are going to go with Sam Darnold next week, and that's interesting. And the Saints won a game, which means that the Eagles do not have a top five draft pick anymore, which I'm very thankful for. And probably the saddest game to watch as a Cowboys fan was the fact that the Titans beat the Packers. Very sad. Ah, uh, yes, very sad, very sad, very sad. But that is all that I have for tonight, folks. Yeah. Um, one more quick point. Um, that I wanted to to make in regards to Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones, I believe could maximize Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis a lot more than what Zach Wilson is doing right now. So I think if you were to swap those two players, the Giants would have a losing record. And the and the and the New York Jets would have the same record or better. Yeah, that is my 100%. last thing I have to say in regards to this show. Except for well, everyone except for that I will most likely be tweeting at least one time on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Both of us will 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 be tweeting. But we all hope that we all, both of us hope, and everyone else, as a part of the Delahanty uh, media team, hope that you have a ha- healthy, happy, and safe Thanksgiving time. And we are thankful for all of you listeners out there. 
and we hope that you have a great time with your family and wherever you may spend your Thanksgiving. Just we hope that you I hope it's a easy way into the Christmas or whatever is the holiday season and hopefully the Cowboys play well enough that we can all enjoy our Thanksgiving. Yes, and if you are like me and have your Thanksgiving dinner during the Cowboys game, hopefully <laughs> there is not a fumble or an interception or anything drastic that happens during the game that ruins the the entire meal, which none of us believe are going is going to happen because we both think the Cowboys will win this game fairly convincingly. You more than me, but both of us have them winning by two scores. But thanks, y'all, and we hope you have a great rest of your day, I guess now, and uh, go Cowboys. Go Cowboys. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week on Monday.